Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Mizutani here as always, talking Minnesota Vikings on Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Thanks so much for checking in with us, uh, Dane. It is sitting here on Tuesday, September 30th, August 30th, not September, I wish. Uh, August 30th, roster cutdown day, getting down to that 53-man. We're recording this Tuesday morning. That's going to come out later in the day. We will touch on that a little bit in Thursday's episode. There were a couple moves made on Monday. Um, a couple guys put on IR. BC Johnson, we knew that with the ACL. T.Y. McGill, it sounds like... Um, a guy who probably had a shot to make the roster, but it seems like that ankle injury suffered against Denver uh, might be more serious than they'd hoped. Yeah, I'm sad about the T.Y. McGill. I think it became almost a joke as, as preseason wore on that I, I was kind of driving the, the T.Y. McGill bandwagon. But I do think he deserved to make the team. He was really, really good in the preseason. Um, not so great in practices like the ones that I saw. Like, And, and I think that's probably emblematic that in the preseason, it does not matter as much as practices do. The coaches see these guys every day. Yeah, you you have one, two good preseason games. It does not mean you, you are roster lock. I think T.Y. McGill is proof of that. He also suffered an ankle injury, so it probably makes him a little easier to cut. Like, are you going to you know, wait, help him rehab, and then try and work him into your rotation? Or are you just going to find a different spot for a second th- string, third string guy? So a bummer for him, a super big bummer for BC Johnson. We talked a little bit about that on yeah. Sunday. Um, but yeah, two guys on the IR and then a handful of cuts yesterday, none of which really matter outside of, you know, I think the T.Y. McGill, it, it's it's a cut, but it, it was injury, injured reserve. So it'll end up being like an injury settlement there. That was like a notable cut. Myron Mitchell was a, a notable cut, kind of. Um, but the guys who get cut, on that first day of this two-tiered, you know, cut-down day, usually are guys that, that no one is thinking of. Right, and I didn't want to get too much into this. We did want to, for today's episode, really dive into the offense, kind of our offensive preview here for 2022, as we are now you know, less than two weeks out from the start mm-hmm. of, the, of the season against Green Bay. But since this is, you know, the unoffensive day, I think it is notable that uh, a guy who's expected to be a decent-sized contributor for this offense is supposedly garnering a lot of interest from other teams. Uh, Chris Thomason from the Pioneer Press, our paper, uh, Chris does a great job, check out his work, reported that 12 teams interested in Alexander Madison and potential trades with the Vikings. Uh, Madison in the last year of his deal, Dalvin Cook's primary backup. Look, I don't know, maybe maybe by the time this podcast some, comes out, something will be executed um, as far as a trade goes. Uh, maybe like it, the winds will have blown by and it's, nope, Madison's here to stay. Uh, maybe something happens even as we get closer to the season. But here's what I want to know from you right now, Dane, is trading Alexander Madison, let's assume it's going to be a fourth-round pick. Let's just throw that out as the baseline. Is that a good idea for Minnesota? Um, the, I guess the pros being that you don't lose him for nothing next offseason. Uh, the cons being that you don't have Alexander Madison this season. Where do you fall on that side of the fence? No, I, I think that's the Vikings fan base and Vikings Twitter kind of galaxy braining themselves out of a good player right now. Like, just because T- Ty Chandler looked good in the preseason doesn't mean he'll look good in the regular season. You know who looks good in the regular season when he has to, when he's had to fill in for Dalvin Cook in the past? Alexander Madison. So, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Again, we're recording this at 
8 a.m. on Tuesday. So maybe by the end, maybe by Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, whatever, like a trade is made. But I, I find it hard to believe that the Vikings are in a season that they want to be really competitive are, are going to trade away a guy with not only NFL experience, but NFL success. He's, he's been a good running back in the league when he's had to be. Um, nobody is mistaking him for a great running back in the league, but he's serviceable and, and he's someone that's proven behind a, a guy who we won't say Dalvin cook is injury prone, but we'll say he, he, he suffers, he gets banged up every so often, right? Like he's generally been available throughout his career aside from that ACL but he'll miss two, three games a year, like most running backs. So you want someone proven behind him, not a rookie Ty Chandler. I think trading Alexander Madison would be a a mistake and and something the Vikings probably would regret at some point this season. Yeah, uh, that's it. If a trade happens for Alexander Madison, you can just know that the two of us are not fans of it. Um, You know, you don't have to wait for a Thursday breakdown. Uh, We are against it. Now, of course, if that's you know, like a second round pick or something like that, then sure, I would say, okay, you can't turn that down. That's not going to be what the price would be for an Alexander Madison trade. People aren't looking for that for a current backup running back. Um, I'm with you in the sense that, okay, are you trying to win this year or not? Um, the All the intentions have been, yep, trying to win this year, trying to push it, see where we can go with this group. Uh, that's all the offseason has indicated that that is the plan. Um, and if you're trading away a guy who will almost certainly start two or three games for you this year um, and still contribute in other games. That suggests that you're not trying to win this year. It's like fence sitting like we saw Rick Spielman do a couple seasons towards the end of his tenure. And it went terribly every time, like pick a lane. Yes or no. Um, the Vikings have said yes. So now don't trade away a guy for minimal compensation who should be a decent sized contributor for your team this year. Like if you're, if you're trying to win games in 2022, a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick, Next year doesn't help you. Um, Alexander Madison on your roster does help you. Um, I, I just, I, Ty Chandler's great. Nice change of pace option. I think here as you move into this rookie year, you can use him in a couple different ways. Um, Alexander Madison should be this team's second running back. Let's use that, Dane, as a, a kind of a segue into this offense. Um, let's do the news part of this first because we've talked about it before. And the NFL Top 100 list is now officially totally out. Um, and Justin Jefferson, I think now lands... Not as high up on the list as we thought. Uh, Mm -hmm. Number 17, I will say, going off of that, number 17 by the player voted thing. ESPN also came out with their own top 100. That list had Justin Jefferson at number seven overall. Um, Outside of quarterbacks, he was behind only Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and TJ Watt. And just for a little housekeeping, the other Vikings on ESPN, the same as the Vikings on the NFL list, Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins, quite different rankings. Dalvin Cook was 81, Kirk Cousins 89 on that ESPN list. Uh, yeah, like that's it's. What did you think of Justin Jefferson? Which is more accurate, 17 or 7 in your mind? I think 17 is probably more accurate than, than 7. 7 feels high just because I think that list should be reserved largely for quarterbacks. Like, and. It, it has been in the past, and that's that's kind of played out in, in, in both of the those lists. But I don't know. I, I need one more season out of, out of out of Justin Jefferson to maybe want to push him in that top eight, top seven range. Um, Seventeen still feels a little low, but I, I just had him more in like the mid teens. You know, maybe in the thirteen, twelve range. Seven feels a bit high, but seventeen, I think that jump is maybe proof that across the league he's viewed 
by his peers as someone who's taking a step. But, you know, I, I feel like that maybe the ways that he dominates on the field, the, the way that we're talking about him this off season, 17 is probably a little low, but it's just a little closer to the number um, that I think I would have landed that. So that's why I, I stay there. I think seven is like the presumptive number, right? Like it, it is the number where it's like, we think that's what he's going to be this season. It's not what he was in the past. I don't think um, even as dominant as he was at times last season. I definitely think this is like a, you know, Cooper cup was like four or five. Um, and Justin Jefferson is viewed in that light. And I think a lot of people expect him to be that player this season. Like I, I covered the, a lot of the Tim Roves as well. And Anthony Edwards had a great year last year and people are expecting this massive leap where he's going to be, you know, tremendous this year justin jefferson was already tremendous last year and people are still expecting like a massive mm-hmm. leap i think there are people out there who think justin jefferson's like a 2000 yard option um and he might do that all the camp reports are like this dude is still unbelievable if not better uh so but you gotta make the leap you, you, you gotta do have to, you gotta do that to, that's to be where up I think in that, this in that is, number that's where i think the espn was a little bit presumptive that he's going to um, mm-hmm. like here's what, here's what these guys are going to be in 2022. Uh, because I saw on their list, like Tom Brady was like 20. Well, Tom Brady was better than 20 last year. Um, right. Russell Wilson was 13. Well, Russell Wilson wasn't even close to being 13 last year. He missed games when he came back. He was not very good, but I think their presumption is in Denver this year, he'll be 13. Um, mm-hmm. so there's might be a little bit more towards, uh, the NFL list with the players voting. There's obviously like you've talked about some bias and popularity there, but that might have been what you've done. And ESPNs is maybe what you're going to do. Um, and I think in those two lenses, I think, frankly, both are fair. Yeah. It also kind of feels like the ESPN list comes out at a time where, you know, the train is, is moving fast on the tracks as far as the Justin Jefferson hype goes. Like if, if you're doing this, this exercise as a collective at ESPN and you're doing it in, you know, the heat of training camp or towards the end of training camp when, when Justin Jefferson's looked really good. And, and he's also someone that's been talked about as a major breakout candidate. I think that can kind of influence decision too, in, in a, in a way. So again, I think you're probably right when you say the lists, while they try and articulate the same thing are probably operating under a different criteria. And then that makes sense. Um, People sometimes want to look at what is he going to do? What is he expecting to do? Where it feels like maybe the, the player list is, you know, what have you done? What have you done in the league? Have you established yourself? That's why Tom Brady was one in in, in the NFL top 100 player list. He's, he's Tom Brady. He's done it. That's why he's number one in that list. So, it, um, I think it's worth pointing out again, because we talked in the past hey, the NFL list had three Vikings in the top 100. Well, so did ESPN's list. And they had one Viking in the top 80. Uh, that's a talent problem. I mean, I, I just, I don't I don't want to shout it out too many times uh, to, to try to be negative over here. But like, that's a little bit alarming. Uh, the, you know, have two segments of people. You have NFL players and a bunch of NFL writers who are all saying, this roster's not very talented. Um, as far as like high-end talent here, um, you no defensive players again. Um, I think that's just, a little uh, bit alarming. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot. They have a lot to prove this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But you're right. Like 
we talk about this top tier talent, top tier talent, and 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 we'll get more into that in our next segment. Like yep. the talent is is immense on the offensive side of the ball, if not a little unproven, still or or there's there's guys that are maybe aging out or maybe a guy like Irv Smith who who needs to take a jump. But the, the talent on the offensive side of the ball in a vacuum is is right up there at the top of the league, but. Yes, the defense is a concern. It's something that that you and I talked a lot about over the weekend, and and the depth is is really a concern too. Like you need all of you need all three things. You need a talented offense, duh. Talented defense, duh. But you need depth if you want to compete at a high level in in the NFL. Oh, and three preseason when when you're playing your second and third stringers and just getting walloped in in all three games doesn't speak to your depth. I think the Vikings have. A top tier talent problem. I think they have a depth problem too. But other than that, everything looks really good. Um, we're going to get more into the offense here. We're going to look at uh, the the weapons and and Minnesota's skill positions. And you know, we talk a lot about these guys in very high regard. Where do they rank in the NFL? Somebody actually did that for us in July. Uh, so we don't have to do too much work here. Uh, we're going to get into that here in this next segment as we really kind of roll into our offensive preview on today's episode. All right, back with Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick, Dami Zutani here. Today, breaking down the Vikings offense. We're going to get into skill positions here in just a second. Um, if you like what you're listening to, follow, subscribe, hit the plus, hit the bell on your favorite plot, podcast platform to make sure that Inside Purple and Gold is showing up um, in your queue, uh, on your phone, ready to download every episode so you don't miss a thing as we work towards the beginning of the season here. Dane, we talk a lot about these weapons. Um, we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, even Irv Smith, who we still see potential for coming off injury. It's it's a good group. How good is this group? Because I know when we compared edge rushers, we just we just lauded over um, you know, Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith. And then when we compared it to other pass rushing duos, it's like it's good. Um, but there are a lot of good ones out there. It's almost like a reality check. But how about when you compare these skill positions, where does Minnesota land? Um, and I think we actually had an article from ESPN from this summer that kind of helps us do that. Yeah, the, the article from ESPN's Bill Barnwell was really helpful. But I, I did the kind of mental math in my brain, you know, over the weekend, you know, in the past week when we've been talking about this. And without diving into every single roster, like my my gut reaction was always, the Vikings weapons have to be near the top of the league. I just don't know who has that type of firepower with whether you want to rank Dalvin cook as the 80th best player, or the 54th best player, or whatever the lists say he's among the most dynamic running backs in the league. As far as when the ball is in his hands, when he's on the field, but you have a guy like that, you have Justin Jefferson who we've talked about as a cheat code on the field, Adam Thielen, KJ, you, you listed them all. And, and I, when I'm doing those, that like exercise in my head. I just can't think are there teams that have this many people that, that can be dynamic with the ball. So the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like they have to be in the top 10. And and then you see Bill Barnwell's list. And, you know, I think we're going to tease this a little more, but we'll just say they were fourth on, on Bill Barnwell's list. Right. Number four, that seems fair, right? Like you look at it, yeah, let's go over those teams ahead and behind. Okay. Well, then here. So we'll just start at 10. 
And 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 again, like, would you agree that 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 the Vikings, your gut reaction was that they're ten, like in the top ten? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the the Buffalo Bills are ten, and, and we're not going to go deep into every every team. Nope. Yep. I just yes or no. I agree. I think that yep, receivers are comparable, and then the Vikings are better at running back. Right. The Dolphins are nine. The yeah, Vikings have better running back. Yep. Correct. Yep. I agree. I I would put the Vikings ahead of the Dolphins. And again, important to note, Bill Barnwell's list, it just looks at weapons, running backs, receivers, tight ends. Yep. It does, no, it does not take into account ranking. quarterbacks. Right. right. Just weapons. Number eight, Philadelphia. I, yep. would agree, I would agree with that. For sure. I'm actually, I would put Buffalo ahead of Philadelphia, but yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably some mixing and matching here we could do. Number seven, interesting, Super Bowl champs, but they just lost some 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 firepower. Los Angeles Rams at seven. The, the running back room is so unproven there. I agree. Um, I think that one's close. I think once you get into the top seven, it's all really close, but I would still give Minnesota the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously they have Cooper cup and, and that kind of buoys you up the rankings. Uh, yeah. Number Alan six. Robinson we'll see coming back. Yeah. Lots to prove there. Number six, the Los Angeles chargers. That one's pretty Maybe? tough. That's where that's, that's tough. Where, I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'd give it to Minnesota because Justin Jefferson's a clear advantage over the other receivers. Yeah. But like Eckler's great. Like, I guess your tight end is Cook and Eckler. You're pretty comparable tight end. You're comparable. I think Justin Jefferson's enough better than Keenan Allen or Mike Williams that it makes up for that. Those guys are better than Adam Thielen. Yeah, no, that's fair. And the last one that the Vikings rank ahead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dalvin Cook is better than Leonard Fournette. Tight end is a wash. Maybe Irv Smith, I might rather. I think the Bucs would love to have Irv Smith. Um, Justin Jefferson's the best receiver. So I I actually understand it. Yeah. Evans and Godwin are a great, are a dynamic duo. I think Evans and Godwin collectively. But yeah, you have have injury concern there. Okay. And then the Vikings slot in at four. And, And we've talked at length about Okay, here, here's everyone on this this offense, and here are the weapons that they have. The teams ahead, I I have no argument with it. I don't know no. about you. No, nope. um, three is San Francisco. Like, no question. Better better weapons, definitely. George Kittle is a massive separator there. Yep, and Debo, like I would say, Justin Jefferson is better, but Debo Samuel is a is a crazy weapon in the in the league that like you can use him in so many different forms. Maybe Justin Jefferson's a better receiver. I think he could make the argument that, that Debo Samuel is a better football player. I agree. There is so much hand-wringing about Justin Jefferson not being uh, all pro last year. Um, what was he not all pro first team? Cause Debo got the nod mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I have no qualms with D- Debo getting in. He might be one of the best pure football players in the NFL. Th- this one, I think it, they're actually on par with, with, with the Vikings, the Las Vegas Raiders at two. Uh, yes, I guess you're getting Devontae Adams, and that's that's a huge upgrade. He's the best receiver in the league, probably. Darren Waller is a big win at tight end. And Hunter Renfro, I think he's going to start to become a player that, that we consistently underrate, and we realize, like, oh, every year, like, wow, he sniffed 100 catches and, and 1,200 yards. Like, he I, he's the, one of the best route runners in the league. I would rather have Hunter Renfro on my team this year than Adam Thielen. I think I agree with that. So, so maybe, Delvin, maybe Cook is signif- Delvin Cook is significantly better running back, but yeah. But you have a proven number one. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm fine with the, the Raiders being ahead of, of the Vikings too. And then the last one, I think Bill Bill Barnwell used the term like it's not even very close, and and I would agree with that. The Cincinnati Bengals have the best weapons in the league. Bar none. They do. They just do. It, it, Joe Mixon on par with Dalvin Cook. Jamar Chase on par with with Justin Jefferson. T Higgins outstanding. Tyler Boyd. Um, they even have Hayden Hurst at their tight end, who's nothing to write home about, but he's at least proven to be a good tight end in the league. So, and and Barnwell said um, he rated receivers as the most valuable thing. Like when he was putting this all together, yeah. like your receiving core mattered more than your running backs, um, and that makes sense just in the NFL in general. Um, so, with that all in mind, I think Barnwell did a pretty good job, pretty accurate here, favorable for the Vikings, and that anything that I thought was pretty close to a tie, uh, the Vikings got the edge, and I think Justin Jefferson's a huge part of that. Um, so that's the tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kind of working out of these rankings, Dane, because you see like these weapons, I think we both attribute that this is what makes Kirk Cousins life a little easier um, in the ways that the offensive line makes it more difficult, kind of canceled mm-hmm. out uh, by what these weapons can do. Uh, I do think when we talk about this, um, when we talk about the weapons, we talked about Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin cook. We don't talk about KJ Osborne much. Um, uh, I am actually pretty interested to see what he's going to do this year. I don't know about you, but I really think this is a guy who I kind of broke out last year, but I think maybe he's in line for a massive breakout this year. I'm interested what you think about that, because just when I look, when I look at what the Rams did last year, they ran an 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers. 86% of the time, 86% of the time they ran out three wide receivers that puts KJ Osborne. If Kevin O'Connell sticks to kind of that kind of scheme, Maybe you can tell tell us a little bit like how many three wide receiver sets in practice. Um, but if KJ Osborne's on the field that much, when the Vikings only went three wideouts 47% of the time last year, mm-hmm. 40% less than the Rams, I think KJ Osborne could be in a, for a huge line of work. And I know we both like the talent. Yeah, just watching the practices this summer, this training camp, like it's obvious they're going to run a lot of three wide. Every time you look up, it's like, okay, there's KJ Osborne out on the field again. Oh, he's running with with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen again, and that, that those times were a little bit few and far between last year. I feel like they were working in the tight end. You know, in Zimmer's offense, they were going two tight ends a lot of the time. Forty seven percent of three wide receivers is towards the bottom of the league, right? So by opportunity alone, I think KJ Osborne's going to take a jump. But the dude is is massively talented, and I think that's something. In Minnesota, people realize, but I think nationally people are going to start to realize like he can catch the ball. His route running could be improved, but you could say that about almost any receiver in the league. He's fast. He's strong. Like, like watch him play football. Like he has no problem going over the middle. He has no problem taking on, you know, a would be tackler in the open field. He also pretty good blocker. Um, I think the biggest thing that I noticed out of KJ Osborne throughout camp and, and just watching him and, you know, the way he moves and shakes throughout practice, he's always hanging out with Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen, always those three. Like it, I feel like the dynamic duo has become a trio. Like the way that KJ Osborne just is always around those two, I think kind of speaks volumes to like where he's at on this roster He's not hanging out with with the fringe receivers anymore. He's not hanging out with, you know, and this is not, not taking anything away from Amir Smith-Marset and B.C. Johnson, but K.J. Osborne last year was hanging out with those guys and, and, and talking store with those guys. And now he's 
he's chopping it up with Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. Like those are all just things you notice in practice. And, and obviously, yes, the team talks to the team. It, it, it's not, I'm not making a huge deal out of just like they hang out together, but they're always seen as a group. And KJ Osborne tweeted it the other day. Like he did the three deep thing. Everyone remembers the Vikings three deep from back in the day with, with Randy, Chris Carter, and Jake Reed. Like it, it, it's a play on the past, but KJ Osborne is being included in, in that receiver grouping now because he's really good. And, and any coach you ask, whether it's Kevin O'Connell, whether it's Wes Phillips, Keenan McCardle, the wide receivers coach, they'll go out of their way to praise this guy. And, and I think you're right. Like looking at what the Rams do, looking at what KJ Osborne's done in the past in kind of melding those two together with talent and opportunity. This is a guy I think a lot of people are going to know about by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, you just look at what KJ Osborne did in expanded opportunities at the end of last year. I mean, he was playing 80 plus snaps, 80 plus percent of snaps, you know, when Adam Thielen was, was battling that ankle. I mean, and Osborne over those final six weeks, six targets a game, five touchdowns, more than 15 yards a catch. And to me, like, I just think he is a bona fide big play wide receiver. Now, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, the route running could be better. I don't know if he's going to get open every single play. Uh, but, but like, like he, in he's the a guy Carolina who, game. That was the guy who caught the game winning touchdown in overtime last year. Like he right. always stepped up. He seemed to step up at all times last year. He is an excellent deep ball threat, um, which is with his speed. And then you talk about the strength too, as well. Uh, I think he fits into that Van Jefferson was such a big play guy for the Rams last year. KJ totally. Osborne, more than 15 yards a catch over those last six. Van Jefferson averaged 16 yards a catch per game last year. Got to 800 yards, largely on big plays. Uh, and I think KJ Osborne slots into that role incredibly well. I think he's probably a better player than Van Jefferson, or uh, will prove to be that. Uh, I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense. Um, but I guess that kind of makes me wonder then, like, People have high hopes for Herb Smith, right? Because like he, mm-hmm. you know, the Vikings used high draft capital on him. Um, he was a productive player in college. He's shown flashes here. How many opportunities do you think we're looking at for Herb Smith? Um, just in the fact that I understand he's probably going to be on the field. An 11 personnel, that's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Good chance Herb Smith's on the field a lot. Uh, but the Vikings didn't target the tight end very much last year, largely because, you know, it was Tyler Conklin, uh, 97 targets for tight ends last year. The Rams, 94 targets for tight ends last year. They didn't yeah. use the tight end hardly at all. Um, and I'm not so sure how much Irv Smith's going to be used. What do you think about that, especially as Smith missed, like, all of training camp? Yeah, Irv Smith's pretty hard to to figure out because I think last year people were, were looking at him and talking about him as this, this massive breakout candidate at, at the tight end position the rhetoric surrounding Irv Smith last off season was like almost a guarantee. Like this guy's going to be a top five tight end in the league. You just, you just watch out. Like he is to someone that the, the league doesn't know what's coming. And, and while I think he has a lot of talent, I think at some point, like the injuries do catch up to you and certain players probably pass you by. And regardless of, of what offense the Vikings are going to run, I think, KJ Osborne's probably passed Irv Smith by as far as a weapon to rely on. And that doesn't mean Irv Smith can't be a productive player, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, the Vikings should move on from Irv Smith. I'm not saying that Irv Smith's just going to, you know, kind of fall by the wayside in this offense. I think he can be extremely productive. I think he can be a red zone target. I think he can be someone who opens up the middle of the field and, and is a weapon that you use. I just don't think he's someone that's going to be a featured part of this offense. And that's okay. 
because uh, there's a few t- there's very few tight ends out there that are featured parts of their offense and and they they're the people that aren't can still be really good players. I look at a guy like, you know, Hunter Henry on on the New England Patriots. No one would say he's a top 5 tight end, but he led the team in touchdown receptions last year. And so while I don't think Irv Smith's going to lead the team in touchdown receptions this year because Justin Jefferson exists, like I think Irv Smith's someone who can find a niche in this offense. I just don't think he's going to be this featured player that everyone romanticized last year. When Irv Smith is like going to be maybe the fourth option, like that's part of the reason why the volume's down. I will be down, I think, in our minds, um, along with, you know, the Rams history of not using it as much. Uh, but frankly, like I think that more says something about the wide receivers and the fact that they do have three good options, um, you know, like it, and when you have those kinds of options in the passing game and you have a quarterback who's been productive uh, throughout his career, I think we just want to see them pass the ball more. And that maybe not even like in terms of attempts, because like, you know, the Vikings weren't down in the passing attempts last year, but there is always the question about were they being aggressive enough? And here's where mm-hmm. that comes in. Uh, like per sharp football stats on second and seven plus last year, Minnesota passed the ball 62% of the time. And that might sound like a lot, but it ranked 25th in the NFL. And other teams are throwing the ball like 80 plus percent of the time in those situations. I think that's a big part of the offensive preview is like this team was conservative and especially in spots where you should not be conservative um, in in the past. And I'll get into this a little bit more in props, but like they didn't pass enough in the red zone. I don't think Um, they didn't pass enough in passing down situations on second down. I think that's where when we look at what this team can become offensively, where they can go, um, I think an amped up aggression is going to be a big part of that. Like Kevin O'Connell, maybe being more aggressive, more willing to go to the passing game as he was with the Rams uh, much more so than, than these offenses that were run by a different offensive coordinator every year, all under Mike Zimmer's thumb. Yeah. I think it it became almost a meme last year during the season that like, Oh, second and 10 Clint Kubiak's going to run halfback dive up the middle. And it became a meme because it was true. Like, like to your point in, in your stats that you just recited, like, the Vikings were predictable and boring. And it would almost be like if they didn't get the play they wanted on first down, they were almost fine conceding the drive itself. And that's not a good way to run your offense. So you've seen a little bit of creativity out of Kevin O'Connell in, in, in training camp. He's he's really dialed back almost everything. I think there's things happening behind closed doors that, that we're not seeing, that the fans aren't seeing. And certainly in preseason, the Vikings were about the most vanilla offense you could see. Right. All of that is to be expected. But I think when September 11th rolls around against Green Bay, you're going to see the aggression you talked about and also the creativity that has been lacking in the past, both in play design and in play calling in, in certain situations. So that's going to be able to elevate all of these guys. It's why we keep saying, like, yes, these offensive weapons are good, but if the Vikings are going to take a, a leap this year, it's going to be because Kevin O'Connell and that X factor of, you know, he he's, he's unlocking and, and he, helping these guys reach a potential they haven't seen yet. I think that's going to unlock everything. If they're just less predictable, if you're throwing more on first down, if you're throwing more on second and long, uh, I, I think that opens up a lot of things like this team against good defenses last year, they couldn't run the ball either. And I think it's because you're, Super predictable against the Rams, three yards a carry against the Browns, 2.8 yards a carry against the Bengals, three yards a carry. So like nothing was working offensively. And that's because against good defenses, if they have a good idea of what's coming, they're going to beat you no matter what your weapons are. 
if you're prepared and you're a good defense with good talent, like it, you can then almost gain the advantage against offenses in the NFL when that really shouldn't be the case. Uh, like let's look at the offensive line uh, for ESPN, the team pass block win rate last year, 54%, 25th in the NFL. Uh, and we always say like, well, this offensive line's terrible. Well, guess when they're passing? Oftentimes it is passing situations. Uh, if you're a pass on first and 10, much less likely to get like that vicious pass rush, that vicious blitz um, that's going to tear you apart. Like when, but when it's nothing but super predictable, when it's only third and eight, uh, you're setting up an offensive line that's questionable for failure. I think just like creativity, aggression, mixing things up. I think that helps everybody. I think it helps Dalvin Cook. I think it helps the offensive line. I think it helps Kirk Cousins. It, it, you cannot be predictable in the NFL because defense becomes 10 times easier. So I think if you can keep defenses on their heels, everybody is going to look better because of it. So Kevin O'Connell is a pretty big part. Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, big parts of this offensive preview. Um, but going off of that offensive line step, we know it needs to be better. I just want to know as we kind of wrap this up, this segment here, before we get into our purple prop party, we're excited for that. We're going to go through a bunch of prop lines uh, for the offense as we head into the season, those key guys we've already talked about, um, the Vegas Lions, we'll tell you whether we'd take the overs or unders. We know the offensive line needs to be better. It has to be better for everything to work. Uh, what's your confidence level, Dane, that it will be better? That it will be better? It's it's very high. I think the offensive line will be improved. I still don't think it will be very good, though. Um, I, I think you have a bona fide right tackle in, in Brian O'Neill that it's among the best in the game. And I think you got a lot of question marks after that. I think Darisaw could take a leap. I think Christian Darisaw, your left tackle, we saw enough flashes last year that you could convince yourself, okay, heading into to year two with an offseason under his belt, he's stronger, he understands the game. He could take a tangible leap in year two. And, and then we talked a little bit about this on Sunday. If you have a, a, a solid left tackle and a great right tackle, if you have bookend tackles that can make the entire offensive line look better, it can make up for a lot of the weaknesses along the offensive lines. But I, I think there's, there's question marks across the board after that. Ezra Cleveland, he's fine. I don't know if he's, he's dominant at a, at a left guard. I don't know if he can reach that level. I think he's probably just a serviceable left guard in the league. Definitely better run blocker than a pass blocker. Right. And, and just like, he's not, I, I think you're ceiling maybe high floor, low ceiling with Ezra Cleveland. Garrett Bradbury, we've talked about so much this 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 offseason, and we've talked about him because for all the wrong reasons. He, he worries me the most, and and I've said that time and time again. You've said that time and time again. Uh, it, it was a problem you didn't go address this offseason, uh, so that worries me. And then Ed, Ed Ingram, I think he's win, he's going to win the starting right guard, guard job. I think a lot of people out there on Vikings Twitter have – kind of started to operate under the assumption that Ed Ingram is going to just be amazing. Like right. he got destroyed by Javon Kinlaw. Like in, in, in one of his reps against a one this year in the preseason, he got put on his butt and it was a sack. So you, you think Kenny Clark's not going to be licking his chops to go up against Ed Ingram? Like the guys like that, like, look, I think Ed Ingram will be better than, than the options of the past at, at right guard. But I think it's it's dangerous to just be like, oh, yeah, this guy's just going to step in and, and fix all our problems. So long-winded, like, yeah, they'll be better probably just because of Darisaw. But I think there's genuine concern this year, and, and for good reason, with the offensive line. 
Yeah, just because you are better than Jesse Davis does not mean you are a starting caliber guard in the NFL. Right. Uh, just because, you know, people were like, well, it's the better option. So you want to get excited about a rookie and that's fine to do, but just don't maybe have your expectations sky high. Don't make assumptions that he is going to all of a sudden be the salve um, for this offensive line because it likely won't be the case, but we both agree. If it's adequate, this offense could be really good. Um, but adequate is kind of like a, a high bar for this line to clear given what we've seen in the past. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll do a lot of, Purple prop party. Uh, do do some gambling lines for the season and uh, take our over-unders on them for various players and also a bit of news as well. All right, back with Inside Purple and Gold. Dame Zutani, Jace Frederick here talking Vikings as we're on cutdown day. And Dane, while we're not going to have the full roster here, we do have one piece of breaking news uh, from Ian Rappaport. Tweets for the Vikings making a move that Janarius Robinson is going to be let go the second year defensive end. Fourth round pick from a year ago. Womp, womp, womp. Another Rick Spielman pick bites the dust. Uh, Any reaction to Robinson being let go? No, he was a fringe guy. I thought he he had a chance. Um, But I don't think you look at this pick and that Rick Spielman made and and cutting him today and, and feel very surprised. Um, he was right on the bubble. So I think we're going to see a lot more like, again, we're recording this at it's eight 42 on a, on a Tuesday morning. We're going to see a ton of cuts rolling over the course of the day. And then obviously rosters have to be finalized by this afternoon. Um, Janarius Robinson is, is among one of many that was probably going to get, that's going to get cut today. Uh, doesn't surprise me that much. We'll dedicate a little bit of time Thursday to like the final roster. If you listen to this on Wednesday and you're like, well, where's the final 53 minute analysis? We'll do that a little bit on Thursday. Frankly, like a lot of these fringe guys, it's it, the impact that that's going to make on the season, whether they keep player A or B is not huge. So we won't spend a ton of time on it. Uh, but we do want to spend more time on props, prop bets. This is something we're going to get into every week um, as we go into the season, looking at certain matchups. I think it's a great way to say like, okay, are you taking this receivers over or under on yards, touchdowns, whatever mm-hmm. for the week? Because it, it kind of shows how you see a matchup playing out. Uh, we're going to do it for both sides of the ball here on Tuesday here for our offensive preview, Thursday for our defensive preview. So we're going to get into a lot of the skill position guys, their props. All lines are courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. You can find all of these online on DraftKings website right now. Um, I should note for all these numbers, injuries are kind of baked into all of it. Uh for all of these guys, frankly, like if any of them play 17 games, they will go over their number. That's almost certain. Um, the numbers are all pulled down a little bit just from the fact of guys are probably going to miss one or two games. And there's also a chance they could miss most of the season. Uh, that's just the reality of the situation. So if these numbers sound small to you, it's because injuries are baked into it and there's a risk there. Um, but think of it more so of like, okay, if player A plays 15 games, do they clear this? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to look at a lot of these lines. Uh, so like I said, we're going to do this on a weekly basis. We're going to call it the Purple Prop Party because um, prop bets are fun. Um, so why not make it a little bit of a I party? I love gambling. We love gambling. We do. Sports. That's true. No question about it. And while we don't bet on like Minnesota sports teams, we never would bet on the Vikings. This is our way to at least play along and suggest um, what we would do if we were you. And you have the option to do it as well. So let's hop right in. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins yards. I'm just going to go through all three and you can give your thoughts on all three of these. Yards for Kirk Cousins, 4,200.5 yards. Touchdowns, 31 and a half. Interceptions, 10 and a half. What do you think of these three? What would you do with Kirk? 
I'd shoot the over on all of them. And just by looking at the stats in the past, like in the past two seasons, Kirk Cousins went over 4,200 yards in 16 games in both those seasons. He went over 33. He he went over 31 and a half touchdowns. He had 35 two seasons ago, 33 last season. And he had seven interceptions last season. I think Kirk Cousins is always good for, for some interceptions. I think that was some regression back to the mean as far as a low number in that, that, that standpoint. So I'm over on all of it. And I think a lot of it just stems from what we just talked about. Kevin O'Connell is going to give him a chance to throw the ball. If he was reaching those over totals with Mike Zimmer, I think he's going to reach them with Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. And like I mentioned, they did throw the ball a fair amount last year. Uh, they were pretty close, frankly, to the Rams and like total passing attempts. Uh, but I'm taking the over two, frankly, like this was 16 games for Kirk where you mentioned where he passed all those things last year. I think 16 games is a very fair number to put for Kirk. Mm-hmm. Anybody can miss a week for anything, but Kirk's pretty durable. Um, it's for quarterback injuries. There are fewer of them, frankly. Um, you know, you're going to see 75% of quarterbacks make it through the year pretty much unscathed. Uh, Yards, I think, is an easy clear. Touchdowns, 31 and a half. We've seen other times in his career where he doesn't clear that. It's maybe the scariest. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that number spike, maybe make a push towards 40 this year, just because he's one That's of the most yeah, he's one of the more accurate red zone passers. Um, and yet he ranked just 13th in the NFL in red zone attempts last year. He threw 71 passes inside the red zone. Matt Stafford in LA threw 112, which was third in the NFL. So say Kirk pushes up towards 100 red zone passes, and he is fairly good in those situations, that's where you can see that number go to 40 pretty easily. Uh, the 10.5 interceptions, two of the last three years he has been under it. Um, he's been a single-digit guy. But frankly, that's been frustrating, I think, for a lot of Viking fans in that it's just been too cautious. I think even mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell and company are going to try to coax that out of him and say, hey, look, We've got these great receivers. We've got these great weapons. Let's take some shots. I know Mike Zimmer wanted him to do that towards the end of Zimmer's tenure. We'll see if they can kind of push through on Cousins here. Cousins says you don't want to be a check down Charlie, yet he's checked down Cousins on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I think it's going to go over because everybody's going to be pushing him in that direction. I think Minnesota would, frankly, not mind. I think they would sign up for more than 10.5 interceptions because it means aggression's there. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm going all three overs. The interceptions is the one that, I'm more cautious about because he really has been kind of risk averse in recent years. All right. Dalvin cook rushing yards, 1150 and a half uh, rush touchdowns, nine and a half rushing and receiving yards, 1500 and a half. Where are you at on Dalvin cook with those numbers? I am over on the rush yards because yep. I think there's going to be an, that that number just seems low. And, and like you said, the number's probably low because you bake in injuries. If Dalvin Cook plays 16, 17 games, he's going to go over 1,150 yards. And what if he plays 14? I, he played 13 last year and he was at 1,159. So I think, I think yeah. regardless of the scheme that's being run, if Dalvin Cook gets an opportunity to kick at the can 14 times, yeah, I think he's going to be able to get to 1,150 and a half. So, Oh, just news right now dropped. Kellen Mond has been waived by the Vikings. So, oh, man. Tom Pellis. What was your favorite Kellen Mond moment? <laughs> we will we'll dive more into that on Thursday, but wanted to make sure that that gets out there. Um, Kellen Not Mond will be hitting no he'll be hitting no overs uh this year. None. Not a surprise Last for those one. of us who watched him play football. Okay, good. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, uh, nine and a half touchdowns. I, I'll take the under on that. Um he was under he was under last year. He was six. I think there's going to be some sort of touchdown regression back to 
a higher total, but I think you're right. I think the Vikings are going to throw more in the red zone. And I think that's inherently going to take away Dalvin cook's ability to rush for touchdowns. Um, and then the rushing and receiving 1500 and a half. My gut is to take the over on that. Similarly to why I took the over on the rush yards. If he's on the field, I think he's going to hit over on that number. So I went over rush yards, under rush touchdowns, over all purpose, I guess. Where are you at? Okay, I'm going over. I'm going over on every single thing. Um, and the reason why I would even be more confident if they did indeed trade Alexander Madison, um, I, I could see them otherwise maybe trying to mix Madison more in, but that feels like a thing every year that never actually takes place. The Rams like to go with a lot of one running back type of work. Um, so I would expect Minnesota to do the same, lean heavily on Delvin Cook. Maybe I think Madison should be mixed in more, but I don't think he will be. Uh, frankly, the touchdown thing, uh, the only one where you'd look and say, well, he only had six last year. Uh, but that's a major outlier. He usually clears that. And last year, 12 rushes inside the five-yard line last year for Delvin Cook. On those 12 rushes, he tallied two yards. Two. Look at you with the stats uh, today, I, man. Your stats are I think impressive that, today. I, I think that that maybe was a little bit of the predictability and an offensive line. And okay. The opposing team knows you're running the ball and your offensive line stinks. So you're going to get bullied in those spots where the numbers don't line up in your way. I think maybe Minnesota will be more like spread out inside the five, but still give cook plenty of touches. Um, I, I, I think nine and a half is a great line. I'm going to take 10. Uh, but if it's just, if he finishes with nine or eight, that wouldn't surprise me as well. I would stay away from that one. I think it's too close to call. Yeah. I would uh, not touch it. Yeah. All right, Adam Thielen, I'm interested in this one. Yards, 750 and a half. Touchdowns, seven and a half. Receptions, 69 and a half. Dane, how do you feel about Adam Thielen in his year 32 season? I'm taking all the overs again, and I'm okay. I'm just going to go ahead and, like, you know, remember when you were a kid and you would you would, you would would fill in, like, C on a Scantron test, like, three in a row, and you'd be like, yeah. I have to change my answer because this one's wrong. That's kind of yeah. how I feel going into this over. Like, I'm just picking over again and again and again. Should I pick an under? Like, just because you've done it a couple of times doesn't mean it's wrong. 750 feels low. Seven and a half with the, for touchdowns, that seems low, too, especially if they're going to up their, their – the amount that they throw in the red zone. Adam Thielen is a legit red zone target, not because he's out jumping guys. It's because he, his route running ability allows him to get open in short spaces. There's a reason he's always open. There's a reason he's always open in the end zone. Seven and a half. I feel like he clears that and 69 and a half receptions. I mean, that, that feels like a, a free over to me. Like, I don't know, as long as he's getting the opportunity they, they're going to throw the ball more. I, I know there's op, there's going to be balls for KJ Osborne. There's going to be balls, obviously, for Justin Jefferson. I, I just think Adam Thielen's going to catch over. I think he'll hit the 70 mark um, if he stays healthy. Health is obviously the big concern here. If you're going to take unders here, it's because Adam Thielen has proven to be a little bit of an injury risk in in the past few years but I'm operating under the assumption he plays in enough games to, to hit these overs. Yep. I'm going under, under, under. Um, and Oof. I think a Let's lot of a it bet. is the health. Uh, I think a lot of it's health related, Dane. I played 13 games last year. Uh, the, he had the ankle issues. Um, I'm pretty concerned about those. And with those 13 games, so yeah, he hit 10 touchdowns, but just 67 receptions, just 726 mm -hmm. yards. So the unders on what would be both of these numbers. Yes. If he plays, 
15, 16 games he's going to clear. I don't think he's going to. I'm pretty concerned about a guy who's health, um, you know, the ankle. He had soft tissue injury in 2019. Like, I'm concerned about the longevity of Adam Thielen now at age 32. Uh, I, I could see this being a thing where injuries are likely to pop up. I love Adam Thielen when he's on the field this year. I think week one, week two, he could be a monster. I'm not sure how he's going to hold up. I think that's why KJ Osborne and the receiver depth are all the up more important for this team. Uh, I could very, I'm very concerned about Adam Thielen and how his body is going to hold up. Um, what could be a great year for him, I think is kind of in peril. Like I would put him at like 12 games. Um, and if that's the case, he's going under on all of these. Um, I understand it's you never want to like assume injury or anything, but just the way that two of the last three years have been significantly hampered by injury. And as he gets a year older, we're kind of at that point in his career where it's like Julio Jones. You almost kind of think maybe it's coming. I think it's coming for Adam Thielen. I hope I'm wrong, frankly, uh, but I I would take the unders on these ones. We'll circle back to that at the at mid or end of the season and see where see where he's at. That's so right. No, I took all the overs and Jace took all the unders. That's right. That's true. Right. Um, yep, hundred uh, percent. Justin Jefferson, last one. Thirteen hundred fifty and a half yards, nine and a half touchdowns, one hundred and two and a half receptions. I think I honestly like receptions and yards. If he just plays fourteen games. I, I think he goes over. This it's feels free. like free money as long as he stays healthy. As long as he stays healthy and Kirk Cousins stays healthy. Correct. If those two stay healthy. It's free. Um, I'm with you on that. I don't. That's a very low number for Justin Jefferson and what he's done previously in his career. And let alone now his head coach is the guy who was the OC for Cooper Cup last year for like a historic receiving season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's it's three overs for me. It, if you're if you're betting over unders, I feel like generally you're not betting on. Oh, maybe maybe he gets injured, so I'm just gonna hammer the under. Like, it's fun to bet the over if if you're betting Justin Jefferson prop. I, I would think you're probably wanting to bet the over, but these feel low. Like, regardless of of fun or not, like it feels like a good bet to make with with the jump that he is presumed to make, and the fact that. If he can stay healthy and, and be on the field for 16, 17 games, he's cleared all of these numbers in the past. So it, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay, let's do this one more. Um, highest scoring team on DraftKings. All the teams are listed. The odds that they are the highest scoring team in the NFL. It's not like their points per game is listed there, but just who is the highest scoring team. The Vikings were 20 to one um, tied for the 16th highest odds to be the highest scoring team in the NFL. This is a team that I said, like their best case scenario is being a top five offense this, this next year. So what do you think at 20 to one at being considered basically middle of the pack in terms of odds of being the highest scoring team? Granted, they were 14th in scoring last year. So I get it from that perspective. But what do you think of that? Uh, basically, Vegas not thinking too highly of this team being like that super explosive offense. I think it's a number that could lose Vegas some money. Like I think it's a smart money bet out there. Like if you're just trying to find a value bet, like 20 to one for the Vikings being the highest scoring team in the league. Like, do I think the Vikings are going to lead the league in scoring? No, probably not. But I think there's a world in which they, they can put up in the upwards of 30 points a game with, with the way this offense has been designed, you know, last year, Dallas led the league with 20 or 31.2 points per game. 
I don't know if the Vikings can get to that number, but it feels like with the, this, the way this re- regime has been working, the way this offense has been set up and designed, like it's conceivable to, to convince yourself that they can get to that. But I, I, I will say the fact that, that a lot of these, these books have them at 20 to one, like the books set the numbers and, and they're usually right. So the fact that they're not held in such a high regard, you know, tied for 16th is in with, team scoring it, it doesn't concern me as, as far as like what the vikings are going to be able to do on offense this year but it, it, it does jump out to me it's a little surprising it is like a reminder of when you say like oh the vikings can have one of the best offenses in the nfl i've kind of held that thought and then you look at the list and it's like there are a lot of good offenses in the nfl um, it's just like the edge rushers like you know buffalo teams ahead of them buffalo tampa the chargers the chiefs the rams the broncos the cowboys the Bengals. The Eagles, I'm not sure if they'd have like a high potency offense. Uh, Green Bay, San Francisco, Baltimore, the Raiders, the Cardinals. Yep. Okay. All those offenses are good. All those offenses could easily outscore Minnesota. Not too surprising. I just thought it was maybe a little bit of a reality check of like, okay, they do have some of the best weapons. Uh, their offensive line is a question mark. I don't know if their offense is better than any of those teams. Um, so it's it's just like a Kevin O'Connell's going to have to make huge improvements on that side of the ball. If this team is to get into that sphere of like that realm of, okay, one of the best offenses in the NFL, which is where we think they might need to be. If they're going to be like a true contender this season. All right. That's all we have. That is the end of our offensive preview uh, for inside purple and gold Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. We're going to talk defense. We will get into the 53 man on Thursday. We're going to do our big defensive preview. We will do our defensive purple prop party um as we head into the season for please follow like subscribe to this podcast so you can make sure all episodes go right to your phone or your your favorite podcast platform and is right there for on-demand listening for you for jace frederick Jamie zatani this has been inside purple and gold goodbye Twenty four hundred sports is an odyssey company 